Hi everybody, welcome to the NFT morning. This is John talking right now. As you can see, we are in English because we have the chance, you know, to be with Jonah. This is the way to pronounce it, right? So Jonah from MidDAO. Hi Jonah, how are you? Hi John, I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm great, I'm great. It's a pleasure to be with you today. So we are live actually from the HCC week and uh, from this uh, event called Paris.com. And so Jonah, uh, it's really interesting. We had a small chat just together before. Uh, you are an entrepreneur, I would say. You are a traveler, you are a sailor. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, you created this middle that just to summarize maybe in two sentences, uh, facilitate the incorporation of DAO, if I'm not wrong. That's correct. How would you correct me, basically? Yeah, yeah. So first of all, thank you for, for having me. Um, and also, uh, I'll just say something quickly in French for, for the French um, listeners. Allez, allez, allons-y. <laughs> uh, bonjour, je m'appelle Jonas Standish. Uh, je suis avec Midao. Uh, le, je, je suis le, le chef de business development et j'habitais à Paris pendant euh, six ans avant et euh, j'aime les France, euh, c'est magnifique <laughs> et Bravo. aussi oui enchanté. So enchanté. thank you. So thank nice you for to having me. Bravo pour le français. You know, we got, I'm, I'm launching some applauses, you know, from ah, you for your French. Thank you. <laughs> really. It's very nice Bravo. of you. Un, un très bel accent, bravo. Oh, merci beaucoup, merci beaucoup. No, J'ai oublié beaucoup de mots. Non, non, non. J'ai un accent, mais merci beaucoup. Et I, I feel like, you know, I have the feeling we could do it in French, almost, you know, because you have a good level. Uh, uh, C'est gentil, merci. So, congratulations, because, uh, you know, French is not so easy, you know. I can barely speak English and that's it on my side, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's really, really nice to, have to be with you, because, you know, just to, to, to understand, you know, the, the, the issue, because... Yeah. Uh, mid so we understand you know a lot of people are creating DAOs in yes. this space now and from what I see uh, you know most of the time they will issue a token yeah. you know to to, to, to create the DAO and people will get do the acquisition of this token and thanks to this token they will proceed with uh, votes you know by yeah. using uh, different tools uh, voting tools you know to thanks to the token you know uh, yeah. decide what the DAO should do. So right. this is the basic way of doing this. And at the end of the day, a lot of people are not really thinking about uh, incorporation. And then, then at the moment, you know, yeah, some, you know, there are some issue. Am I right? Yeah. Yes, you are absolutely right. So I think that probably the best thing for me to do is maybe to just back up and explain a little bit my DAO. So my DAO stands for Marshall Islands DAO, and you can say it my DAO or me DAO based on your where you are living in the world. But my DAO is exists to help Web three and also Web two uh, projects. We're helping to bring over more, the more traditional Web two companies into the Web three world. But we started out primarily as a way to help DAOs and Web3 projects launch and be legally protected. And why is that important? Why does that matter? And, and why, why the Marshall Islands, right? First of all, I should probably explain where the Marshall Islands are located. So sure. they are very far away from here. It's, you can think of it, um, if you're picturing the world map, between Hawaii and Japan. So smack dab in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And the Marshall Islands is a sovereign nation. It's, it's um, gained its independence since 1986. 
and we have the full support of the president, the cabinet, and the legislators for working on this really comprehensive Web3 DAO and digital asset legislation. And so um, the story is a really beautiful story of how we, we got started out. I'll just make it very high level. Uh, maybe even before, you know, uh, you can talk about your personal journey because I think it's interesting, you know, to see what is your background also and oh, how okay, you ended up. Oh, okay, before this? Yeah, yeah, yeah because we, we will go, chrono, you know, okay. we'll go with the okay. story, you know, maybe. So just say about me? Yeah, about okay. yourself, okay. yeah. Okay, right now? Yeah, okay. let's go. Okay, uh, Just yeah. your background and how you ended up into this blockchain world, basically. Okay, okay. Yeah, so my journey really is I started out working in tech and venture capital one of my first jobs out of university and uh, that's what led me to to Paris actually I worked for a venture capital firm here and I was focused primarily on of course venture capital always focuses on emerging tech and um, at that time I was focused on working with SaaS technologies IOT and the very early stages of augmented reality so this is all very commonplace and mainstream now and almost passe I see and AI maybe I guess yeah and even AI but the, the, the world really wasn't ready for these uh, large language models yet and I mean AI has been around for so long but that's a whole other topic in and of itself but so that's really my journey is I've always worked in a mix between finance and emerging technologies because I always wanted to find a way because I, I'm just fascinated by emerging technologies because I love the idea of leveraging new technologies as a way to help improve the quality of people's lives however that means to each person like maybe it's uh, to help them with health care or food supply I mean the, the you know save the world Greenpeace uh, you know blue energy and all of this so to me it's always been fascinating and so uh, last year at ETH Denver I saw the founder of MyDAO speaking. His name's Adam Miller. He's 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 the co-founder and the CEO of MyDAO. And I saw him speaking about DAOs. And I thought, having had this background in venture capital and tech and finance, and I thought, without this, none of this is going to launch because without legal protection and without the same foundation that the I'll just say like the typical business world has enjoyed and used for protection without having this in web 3 it's never truly going to launch and it's never truly going to take off because in the eyes of the law will look like a bunch of renegades and in the eyes of the law if you actually don't have a legal entity you're treated as a general partnership and, and later we can get into all of the reasons why that's very dangerous but what happens is it ends up affecting individuals um, personally and independently and so if you are somebody in this space that's very passionate about web 3 and passionate about um, you know the creator economy and, and putting the power in the hands of the people you really need to be mindful that um, we also don't want to put danger in these people's hands because if you get involved in a project and there isn't a legal entity and something goes wrong each of those members of that project can be held liable and imagine you have an apartment or a house or you take care of your parents or whatever the scenario is all of that in the eyes of the law could be taken away from you so when you say it's very interesting I think we had the chance to talk about it already uh, during the NFT morning that Technically, from the lawyer point of view, uh, if something happens or you're doing something 
you know that uh, you have a client that is not happy with the DAO activity, uh, what he will do, you know, he will go to the court and at the end of the day, uh, the lawyer will say, okay, you know, even if there is no company, you know, in reality, there are people behind this. And so instead of getting the protection of, a, you know, limited liability that can offer a company, and so that gives you the ability to have a moral person that will take on their back, you know, the financial impact of this, the financial impact of any issue would, would be on the back of all the founders of the DAO if you have no uh, legal protection, right? Yes, it absolutely could be. And we've seen this play out in cases in the media today, like Okidao. You know, I mean, that, that was a case where, where exactly this happened. And so, I mean, you could look at legislators and government agencies around the world in terms of the way that they are managing this, because this is all so new. And let's face it, the legislation that we have in place today around the world for banking, for IP, for, for anything business related, think of when that was created decades and decades and decades and decades ago. And so the legal frameworks aren't in place really fully yet today to be able to even comprehend and translate what's happening today with the way that the laws work. And there's few places in the world today that actually have uh, governments and cabinets and legislators that are on board with this and that want to work with it. And, and we feel very privileged and, and uh, lucky that the government of the Marshall Islands um, wanted to partner with us on this and we've got the full support of the the president the cabinet and the legislators and we, we feel that this is a real win for the entire web3 community because we are working with the government to help write the most comprehensive web3 legislation which covers everything from DAOs to digital assets to nfts um, protection of the community members or contributors if you will and so for us um, this is a really big win because there's, I mean, you can look around the world. Sure, there's Wyoming in the U.S., there's Delaware, Tennessee, Utah, which is really great because it, I think, it validates that there's a need for this. But the challenge right now for anyone that's starting a DAO or looking for a legal entity for their DAO, most of them don't want to go to the U.S. because the environment today is so aggressive and hostile. And I, I you know, I'm not even sure I really need to comment on it too much because we read about it every day on Twitter and in the media. Yeah, there is currently a big risk on what's happening in the U.S. and uh, and so at the end of the day, working, for example. Uh, incorporating in the Marshall Island give you more guarantees in terms of uh, uh, yeah uh, about authorities and the validation from the authorities right that that's that's correct yes and in the Marshall Islands there so we worked with the government uh, in 2022 to help pass the piece of legislation called the Dow Act of 2022 we're now working on our third amendment and we're just constantly iterating and you know we aspire to be the de facto standard for the web 3 industry and also for web 2 to help them come on board because the real what is the point for web, web company, two? for example? Well, I think if you, I mean, Paris is a great example, right? Like, think of all the big uh, fashion brands that are here. Just as an example, I'll use fashion because we're in Paris and it makes sense. Like, if you think of Chanel or Dior or you, you name it, right? They're all coming out with um, NFT projects. They are creating memberships. They want to actually get to know their community and their end user better, right? Because if they buy, think about it, if you buy... I don't know, a Chanel bag.
I get, uh, I don't know, at the Chanel store, for example, yeah. or Le Bon Marché or something like this, or Galerie Lafayette, the, the Chanel itself doesn't really know who you are or anything about you. And so it loses that opportunity to actually connect with their, their consumer. And I feel that uh, musicians, artists, designers, business people, everybody actually wants to really know who their community is so that they can find a way to connect and help um, provide value to, the, to that end user, right? I see, I see. So, you know, these brands could have an interest to create a DAO to have more understanding of the, you know, who are the owners of the NFT and what they are doing. Absolutely. And, and also the beauty of creating a legal entity, like I'll give you the example of the Marshall Islands because it, it's, it's what I do every day, but I'm very familiar with the other legal entities around the world like Cayman Islands, BVI, Panama, Seychelles, Switzerland, Liberia, you name Malta. I mean, these, these are sort of like the usual suspects that show up all the time. Um, and for example, like Cayman Islands was made famous by venture capital. So the reason why the majority of, um, I'll say like big DeFi protocol projects, some of them didn't even have a DAO until like this past year, <clears throat> and it's very important that they prove that they're decentralized, right? Because in the eyes of the law and in the eyes of government agencies, they don't want to be scrutinized by people like the SEC to say that they are centrally managed and therefore they are selling securities unauthorized. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just to say we're seeing a lot of DAO projects and Web3 projects that are either already well into their maturity of their DAO project or maybe they're just starting out. And the beauty of the Marshall Islands DAO LLC is that it allows a Web3 project to start out completely off-chain without having their entire tokenomics figured out, without having all the smart contracts figured out. Like they could start out completely like, we'll just say analog and to have that legal entity because maybe they are looking to raise money, maybe they are looking to uh, partner with other companies, maybe they are looking to get a bank account, to have legal personhood. And so it's very important that projects think about these things before they go and officially launch because like I said, um, if you get together with a group of people for a common purpose or a common interest and then you're making decisions, maybe you're buying things together, anything can happen, right? When you have humans involved, anything can happen, uh, both beautiful things and, and negative things. And so you want to make sure that you're legally protected. And I know that that seems like it goes against the ethos of Web3 because people, we, we, we all have a little bit of this anarchy in us. No, 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 but I think it's a big topic. And I, it's you know, important. In yeah. Europe, for example, uh, we know that the European Union starts working on creating uh, regulation around DAOs. Yeah. It will happen, you know. It Absolutely. Will and, uh, you know, for everything, it happened already with crypto. Yeah. And no, I can say that in Europe, at least, you know, we start to have a crypto environment. Yeah. And they, at the end of the day, they will do the same with DAO. So what they did with crypto, they took some bank standard. Right and start to say, as a crypto, uh, you need to respect kind of this bank standard. And we can believe that with DAO, they will do the same. They will take the LA, for example, standard, yeah. uh, or LL, I don't know which statue it is, but some, uh, some companies uh, standard, yeah. and basically try to apply the same way.
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the other thing too is I, I think just what what we're seeing play out in the on Twitter and the media today is that each country think about it. The G7 is wildly threatened by all of this, right? Because they control the world's economy, the means of production, and so this has potential. Like I, I wish they would see the complete picture, but this has potential to completely disrupt that. And think of how threatening that is, right? If the central bank is now irrelevant. Think about that, right? The currencies around the world. So there's this big, big concern, and I, I feel like um, our community, the Web3 community, we, I, I hope that we stay mindful that I do think the right things will happen. I do think legislators around the world will get on board. I, I, I feel like right now it's very um, reactionary and a little bit hostile in some places, i.e. the US. But there are other countries that recognize the real opportunity here. And you're starting to see that. Like for example, the Marshall Islands, people ask me all the time, first of all, where is it? And you know, that's, that's the first question. And the other thing to, to note, I think is really important is the Marshall Islands has a long and storied history of incorporating um, companies. So one out of every five ships in the world is registered in the Marshall Islands. So it has a long and rich history in shipping and maritime law and legal entities. And about 50 companies split between the NASDAQ and the New York Stock Exchange are registered in the Marshall Islands. So venture capital, Wall Street, uh, you, you name it, around the world, they're familiar with Marshall we can, Islands. We can start to see, you know, because you know, you mentioned the example of Cayman Islands. Yeah. And they had a really proper environment at the moment, you know, to create the fund, for example. Yeah. But now we can see also that things are changing and they start to ask for more uh, local presence. For that's example. right, that's right. Uh, and so, uh, you know, this ideal way of uh, creating a company from anywhere yeah. without any physical presence becomes more complicated, especially in the current world, which, as you mentioned, you know, all the financial uh, authorities, you know, yeah. asking more and more, you know, to be locally installed. Yeah. Uh, where, do they need to live in Marshall Islands? No, they don't. So that's that's the beauty of it. They don't need to live in the Marshall Islands. They um, would be set up as a legal entity in the Marshall Islands and it's not required that they live there or even that they go there. I mean, it's a beautiful place, so if people are always welcome to go there, but the beauty is that they, they don't need to do that and they also don't need to have a board of directors. That's, that's one main point of importance and you could say, okay, why is that important? Well, in the eyes of the law and in the eyes of uh, government agencies like the SEC, one could argue that what is the purpose of a board of directors, right? It centrally controls a company, traditionally, right? They, they oversee the president and the CEO, typically. And so you could argue in the eyes of the law that if you have a board of directors, you are, you are centrally controlled. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is how many lawyers have interpreted this. So we thought it's very important that there are no boards of directors and there are um, that this is not a requirement and that there are no owners. In the Marshall Islands, we have what's called... Um, a beneficial members. So anyone that has 25% or more of governance rights in a DAO, those people would need to um, be listed in like the legal operating agreement of the DAO. So but at the end of the day, these people are kind of being for the legal point of view, the director of the company. It, I guess you could, you could say that, but technically speaking in the eyes of the law, the legislation doesn't treat them as boards of directors. But yes, I guess you could, you could 
probably see it that way, right? Because I think, you know, this is the thing also, of course, you know, we are maybe going from a world that is not done now where yeah. when you create a DAO, so far, the main uh, advantage of creating this is to have a, uh, a company that is, oh sorry, I'm just doing it. Getting a company that is like, um, oh sorry, I will just adjust this right now. Ah, okay, yeah. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. We'll cut that. <laughs> okay, we'll come back. I think that we're cutting another podcast there. Okay. Like this is good. So, um, now what I wasn't saying, when you create a DAO, yeah. a lot of people say, I do it because I don't need to be uh, in a country. Uh, I am a, yeah. We are all around the world and we create that for, we have no nationality. Right. So then, you know, there is uh, a choice to do, I would right. say. Actually, there are three choices to do. Yeah. You know, being total DAO and say, uh, there's no government, there's no government, you know, it's 100% decentralized. Yeah. And so we don't need to create a legal entity. Uh, second option would be to work, you know, for example, to incorporate in the Marshall Islands. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, and last option would be to incorporate in the country, I would say, where mm -hmm. most of the founders are living, for example. Right. Something like this. So, uh, according to you, um, is there not, you know, the first option? Right. Uh, would you know will present some issues because at the end of the day if there is you know something wrong is happening right. and the client or government you know want to attack you uh, everybody is exposed not the company only but everybody is financially exposed this is true and so, this is true uh, on the other hand you know uh, some people may say that for example as european we know that local authorities you know even if you are, in, you know, for example, even when you are incorporated in Cayman Island for some companies, yeah. they don't see it. We know they don't have a good. Uh, they feel like you know it's not you're not doing this the way you should do it, yeah. and you should be incorporated locally. What do you think about it? Well, that's a really interesting question, and I think it's one that's argued a lot. And the the first point that you make about not having any legal entity, I mean, we've we've seen it. I've referenced it earlier. Is that in the Okidao case, right? And it turned into a civil case. And I'll just say, um, so yes, my DAO, this is primarily what I do. I'm, I'm in charge of business development there. and But I'm also in heavily involved in a couple of DAOs myself. I don't know if you're familiar with Bankless DAO. I'm one of the ombuds there. And you can think of that as like a mediator. So I'm one of the mediators for like the social layer of the DAO. And all of this has been made public, so I'm not sharing anything um, off the, you know, off the record that's that's um, confidential. But what I'll say is, <coughs> the majority of the problems that happen in a DAO, and maybe you've experienced this yourself, really often has to do with the human aspect of things, right? Because we're human, we're flawed, we have emotions, people react. And I've seen some things like play out, like civil attacks and things like this, and so. When people, if you get like a rogue member that, that was originally well-intentioned and, you know, for the most part, I believe people are good, but when people feel wronged or they disagree with the direction of something, 
you don't know how they're going to react, right? And so these are times where people can take uh, legal action against other members of a DAO, and that's where people can be really exposed. And I, and I personally just find that dangerous, and I feel that every day we are all becoming smarter and smarter because we, we, we all read a ton, we consume a lot of information on this topic, we've all somewhat become like Google lawyers, right? We, we search everything and... But I think people are getting smarter now because even in Bankless DAO, some people have decided to forego the option to be considered for a multi-sig because they said, you know, this DAO doesn't have a legal entity. And so I think like a year or two ago, most people would never ask, does this DAO have a legal entity before I mm -hmm. decide to be a multi-sig? So I, I, I do feel like with time that's changing and even myself, like I've not accepted airdrops and tokens because... I, I was invited to be part like a founding team and other DAOs and I said one I don't want I don't want that tax burden and two um, they didn't have a legal entity yet so I, I was hesitant and so so that that answers your first question and then I think the second question is regardless of because we are operating in like this borderless world right where people are located everywhere the individual itself needs to remember that where they are residing for the moment, right? Like we'll call that their tax residency. They need to be mindful of the laws of where they're currently living, right? And they need to be mindful and to be adults and pay their taxes and all these boring things that we have to do. But the DAO itself would be considered the legal entity, not the people, right? Yeah. So the DAO would have this legal person. Just to dig a bit more because I think, it, no, it's really, of course, no, this yeah. is really the idea of getting a legal entity. Yeah. And this is why it's important. Uh, but maybe you have more insight about, you know, uh, maybe the conventions or relation between European Union and Marshall Islands, for yeah. example, you know, how things are going, for example, in terms of taxes or, uh, you know, if I make some profit in Marshall Islands, you know, how does it work with European Union? Yeah. I don't know if you have any idea about I it. I do. Yeah, I can comment on that. So we, just to give you an example, we have two legal entity options for DAOs to choose from. And we have a not-for-profit DAO, which is a straight-up no, you know, no tax. Um, there's no reporting requirement to report your taxes to the Marshall Islands, and then of course there's no pass-through tax to the individuals because it's a not-for-profit. Then we have a for-profit DAO LLC, which has a three percent gross revenue tax on, you could say, like the treasury, and that's excluding the um, uh, dividends and interest. And so. As an example, if you're a DAO that's a for-profit DAO that has a legal entity in the Marshall Islands and there's that 3% gross revenue tax, that DAO will be responsible for filing taxes in the Marshall Islands. And what we've seen with a lot of our clients is, you know, um, some of them have, for example, like treasury management committees as part of their DAO governance. And maybe it's that committee that also manages the tax filing and, and things of that nature. Or some DAOs have decided to hire an accountant or maybe there's like a CPA on their team that they can, um, you know, kind of kill two birds with one stone. But with regards to the members of the DAO, if they all hold a token as part of that DAO, it's really up to that, that individual based on where they live, what the tax requirements are, and what their responsibilities are. So um, there's not the pass-through tax to the individual, it's the tax on, you could say, like the, the revenues of the DAO or the sales of the DAO, so like the treasury. So I, I would just say, um, 
because the, the laws are uncertain everywhere, I think we're all starting to recognize that they would be treated as some type of investment. So maybe all of us are starting to, to track these things now. But from what I'm hearing, just like at ECC Paris and the side events this, this week, um, a lot of people in the U.S. have like, this is a bit of a fear culture there. Like we're all afraid of the IRS, like the, the tax authority and the SEC. So we're sort of like beat into submission on these things. So we, we track everything because we're afraid we're going to get in trouble. But in other parts of the world, this isn't so much a concern yet. And so I would just say, yeah, I mean, I, I can't give tax or legal advice on this podcast, but I would just say be mindful, like track your what you were participating in, keep track of whatever tokens you own. Because you may be asked in the future to furnish information on this. Of course. And I don't know what the laws will do. If they'll like say, we're, we're going to back tax you. or and, and so that's, I think, where the uncertainty lies. But uh, right now, I mean, people are kind of seeing things as, well, there are no rules, so anything goes. But maybe in more general, so you are to, you've been talking about, for example, uh, incorporation of... Uh, of boards yeah. uh, uh, I mean um, you know for people who don't know because you know when you don't know exactly a country yeah. like Marshall Islands you mean uh, yeah the country uh, has some other I guess conventions maybe with European Union or with yeah. for other not, I'm not talking about DAOs but more generally yes. Uh, yes you can have an LLC for example a limited liability company in the Marshall Islands and there's like tens of thousands of companies worldwide registered in the Marshall Islands and I I don't know for certain in terms of like how many of them are original founders are from Europe but what I can say is it's it's a known jurisdiction and yeah people are you know th that's more for traditional I'll just say like traditional maybe like web yeah, yeah, two businesses yeah, yeah, sure. uh, corporations and they've enjoyed like the tax benefits for that and I believe the European Union, the European Union, and the rest of the world is aware of these jurisdictions that provide these tax um, incentives. And of course, most countries don't like that because they want to get a piece of their tax. Yeah, exactly. Right? This is the yeah, yeah. This is the thing. Yeah. Of yeah. Course. Okay. Okay. That's really uh, that's really interesting. And so, just to come back on MidDAO, so yeah. the, the the company. Uh, so you've been uh, the company has been created like uh, when it has been yeah created? so it started in 2022 and I'll just summarize at a high level because our founder Adam Miller our CEO and founder Adam Miller I met him last year at ETH Denver in 2022 and I saw him speak on my DAO and just this whole concept of providing uh, legal entities and helping to write the legislation in the Marshall Islands and I, I was really impressed by the story he told and the plans and the future and I thought having worked in venture capital before and, and emerging technologies I thought <coughs> this is going to be so key to to be able for ev for everybody to be able to launch and to have this legal protection and so I introduced myself to him and we stayed in touch and, and the rest is history but he has a really beautiful story he and a childhood friend of basically how the company got started and I don't want to mess up the details of the story because it's actually it's really charming and nice but I'll just say at a very high level they're childhood friends they've known each other since they were kids and um, Adam and the other gentleman's name is Mark Lurie they have were both involved in emerging tech and and adam was doing some consulting work on DAOs before most people even knew what DAOs were so he was fascinated by you know blockchain and and bitcoin since like 
2012. So yeah, maybe you could call him an OG. <laughs> and same same with Mark Lurie. And so to make a long story short, um, Mark had previously done some consulting with Mark and or a former colleague had previously done some consulting with the government of the Marshall Islands on blockchain. And fast forward a little bit, Mark was working on a project for a decentralized exchange and uh, applied for a grant from the DeFi Alliance and he was granted the award and so rather than taking the money personally himself because it would have triggered a really big tax event for him personally he tapped Adam and said hey you know based on your DAO consulting are there any places in the world that we could set up a legal entity that recognizes DAOs as a legal entity so they went on this journey searching the whole world for wow. all of this and this is how it happened and then they contacted their colleagues in the Marshall Islands and said you know, of course, I'm I'm highly summarizing this, but that's no, how no, course, that's how it came about, and it's uh, it's a really nice story because, you know, it was of it, course, yeah, it like necessity. The, what is it? Necessity is the mother of all invention, right? And so, it was a true use case. And uh, yeah, according to him, it has to be invented because it's exactly. Not and so they spotted the Marshall Island and I guess, you know, starting a relation with authorities to see, exactly uh, to explain and and work with them, and so. No, it has been created, so uh, the company is now leaving. Uh, you already have some DAOs that are incorporated? Yeah, we, ha we have um, around 100 DAOs that have already incorporated with us, and we have more in the pipeline. And me personally, um, in my role as you know, head of business development, I talk with anywhere between 30 to 50 DAOs a week. So there's a lot more in the pipeline, and what we're seeing is a real groundswell of interest from... DAO projects that are either in startup mode, like completely don't have any legal entity, or we're seeing DAOs. Yeah, because I guess you're talking a lot with existing DAOs. You yeah, know, exactly. If, you, if we think about, even it, you know, some big DAOs right now, yeah. maybe they're asking this kind of question. But yeah, the big DAOs, for example, <coughs> the big DAOs, for example, are doing what's called, what a lot of lawyers call, it's kind of a technical term, they call it... Um, diversifying their jurisdiction portfolio <laughs> and, and what that means is uh, it's a legal term what that means is they like to have as many um, different legal entities as so possible if I am a DAO I could be based in Delaware you could have five legal entities and each of those legal entities could protect a, a, a portion or a, let's say a function of the DAO like maybe you put your intellectual property it's more protecting it's not opening more uh, weakness in a way because uh, you well, could be attacked in more jurisdictions. I, I, I don't believe so. And what I've so at my I, I'm not a lawyer. Yeah, I no, no. I, I, what I was going to say at my DAO, we have partnerships with the Blockchain Lawyers Group and with Legal Now. So that and probably about another sixty some odd crypto lawyers. So we have over three hundred vetted Web three crypto lawyers that we work with, and these are uh, very credible groups and and you know legal minds in this space. And what I will just say is, um, yeah, the diversifying. Yeah, the the, the the diversifying, or we'll call it legal arbitrage. That's not new. Companies have been doing this for like close to a hundred years, right? Like, yeah. and so we're using terms now like containerizing the different functions of the DAO because the reason why lawyers are recommending this is because today the laws are not harmonized across the world and so they're just they're doing what's legally allowed and they're operating within the framework of the law in these particular jurisdictions and that's just really how 
you know, what lawyers have recommended for decades now, and they're applying these same methodologies and same maneuvers in the Web3 space because, like I said, the laws aren't yet harmonized. So they are saying, okay, in the Marshall Islands, you, the legislation recognizes DAOs and NFTs and digital assets, so we'll make sure that, you know, we have a I'll say like of the functions of the DAO legally registered there. And then, you know, maybe three or five years ago, they registered their token in like the BVI or Cayman Islands. But the challenge with those jurisdictions is they don't have any legislation for Web3 or digital assets or DAOs. So those are just some things that I think DAO projects need to be mindful of is if you're going to set up legal entities in different parts of the world, Maybe you don't take the time to read the legislation because you're so busy, but if you're going to hire a lawyer, make sure that you are not operating in jurisdictions that don't even recognize who you are and what you do. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, yeah. And so on top of that, you know, we can do some holidays sometime to the... To the Marshall, Marshall Islands. Island. Yeah, we, we were talking about hosting an event there, uh, something like this, like ECC. And, and we would love to do something like that. Can it, we surf there? <laughs> you can surf there. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. You should see. We, so we, so I'm, I, I told you before we started yeah. our conversation that um, I live on a sailboat part of the time in Greece in the, in the Cyclades. And then our founder and CEO, Adam Miller, is in California. Then we have another guy based in Philly, Philadelphia, just outside of New York City. And then two other guys in the Marshall Islands. And one of them is a former diplomat with the government of the Marshall Islands. And the other one is our head of operations. So, yeah, I mean, we have presence there. We have an office there. Um, it's I, I've personally not been there yet. And we were talking about hosting. Ah, our, so it's our, an occasion. We can yeah, go together. Exactly. We go together. <laughs> we take our families. We make a nice holiday. But it looks stunning and beautiful. And it's just far away. So we were, we were talking about doing an event there. We're just thinking, we don't know if people will, the yeah, flights yeah, are expensive. Yeah, at the end of the day, I understand. It's, it's got to be affordable nice, and accessible. At the end of the day, it's kind of far yeah. from the US, far from Europe. Yeah, it's far <laughs> from Asia, everywhere. <laughs> exactly. How far away. But you know, you don't need, you don't need uh, any local presence even the day of, you know, to sign anything, I guess, you know, you just need to have a local representative. To yeah, so, so, so we're the exclusive registered agent for Dow LLCs in the Marshall Islands, and we provide a, a foreign investment business license, which allows these um, uh, projects that set up legal entities there. We provide the local address for them. So, yeah, they don't, they don't need to, um, to physically be there. One last point, you know, because I, we know that a lot of companies, you know, created also DAOs, but at the end of the day, with a kind of centralized governance. Yeah. Uh, if I, you know, if I do it, you know, in Marshall Islands, uh, which kind of issue could I have? Frequently? Well, not so much. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but it, but I mean, when you have the full support of the president, the cabinet, and the legislators to work with you on the legislation and to um, to rely on people that work in the industry to help craft the legislation, like you don't really see that anywhere else in the world. It's not really happening. Okay, some countries are doing it. Some smaller countries that recognize the opportunity, but. You know, in the U.S., unfortunately, that's not happening. In Europe, it's not really happening. Maybe, you know, some smaller countries are doing it. But we don't anticipate, because there is this long history of the Marshall Islands being a legal jurisdiction for, let's say, like Web 2 and Web 1 businesses, 
we don't anticipate uh, problems really simply because it's not a new jurisdiction. It's been around for a long time and it's had a very stellar and rich reputation and it still does. And so we have that in our favor and I think that's um, very credible because if we were completely new, I could see where some of these questions would come up, right? Because longevity is important. I see. I see. Uh, so, Jenna, I think it's, it was a pleasure to chat oui. with you today. Merci beaucoup. Merci à vous. C'est un vrai plaisir. Merci, Jean. C'était très intéressant. Merci beaucoup. Merci Et à donc, vous. Donc, euh, bah, écoutez, on, on reparlera de Dao. Hope to have you soon, you know, maybe in six months. To oui, see moi aussi, en français. Yeah. En français, Exactement. pourquoi pas. Bravo, en tout cas. Merci beaucoup. Merci à vous. Au revoir. Happy. Good morning! We'll be happy. Good morning! We'll be with you.